Hey guys, welcome to the Big Fail podcast. We are here with Mr. Abhinav Pathak, CEO and co-founder at Purpeal. Thank you so much sir for joining us. It's an honor to have you on board. Hey, thanks a lot. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you sir. So for our new listeners, the Big Fail is a podcast aiming to give you some quality insights behind the lives of successful individuals. We often forget that the hardships also an equal if not greater role in shaping the success these are the things you would find only in conversations and not in books so let's get started with a short overview of mr patik's career he was a 2015 nitk undergrad with a btech in mechanical engineering and he then joined goldman sachs initially as an analyst followed by a full time offer in 2016 he co-founded purpeal with mr yogesh and mr sakit All right sir so let's get started with some questions Sure So the first question is of course related to our college uh what were your interests in college and what exactly were the challenges you faced pertaining to your academics Mm I think lots of academics is always hard I think unless you are some uh toppers or 10 pointers I think academics is always hard uh plus i think uh, on on the interest side right i kept on developing interests in college that that's one thing i really loved about nidk i think it's one of those colleges which really gives you that depth to explore as much as you really want so my interests were all over the place right from entrepreneurship to uh, cultural activities to debates to months to some academic interests to some research interests to some other branch research and internship uh, uh, you can say interest so i think i did try a bunch of things and i was a avid basketball player as well i did try cricket and football as well didn't do very well but so basically i think that's the best part of college if you really see right you get to try out so many things so that you can really figure out uh, what are that one or two or three things that you really want to uh, continue doing post college so after doing literally 15 20 things i understood that look entrepreneurship is something i would really want to pursue very seriously post college and i think at that time i'm sure there was a, there's a club still in college called esl Uh, I think that was just three years right. into its existence at that point. So the activity was quite yeah. uh, serious. A lot of good bunch of folks were connected to it, like our, you can say, seniors post uh, college as well. And I think that's how I learned about uh, entrepreneurship. Honestly, I didn't know anything about it before I came to college. And you can say in three years, four years in college, by when I really started pursuing that, I became super excited about it, and like so excited that I eventually would want to pursue a full time career in that. great great that's really nice to know um and we we know that after like uh, your third year you you got an internship at goldman sachs so can you tell us about your experience at goldman sachs and how exactly did they train you both technically and professionally sure absolutely i think this is another very interesting story so uh, i was also in those non circuit branches mech and placements and internships were quite tough and bad and actually i think that that's how the Whole shift really happened. Okay, so at my uh, when I was kind of preparing for intern, Goldman wasn't open for non-circuit branches. So I was that first guy who kind of uh, discussed and and you can say fought a lot with Goldman to really uh, uh, open this up for me and some other folks also from the non-circuit branches. And I think that's how I got the internship. I think I, I had to do a lot of flogging of this, obviously, and thanks to all my friends in CSIT etc. who really gave me the right resources to learn and prepare prepare for those interviews because I think the bar can't be lowered. but opportunities can surely be extended so i think uh, first was that i did a lot of preparation myself and at that point i did, like really did a single point focus on finding a role that i want to do because i think what 6 months or 1 year into college i understood that mech is not something i want to do 
I didn't have great percentages and percentiles to really get a brand change. It was quite obvious that I'll have to pursue alternate interests to finally get a, uh, you can say, work experience or a job technically in a uh, computer science field. I did a lot of slogging. I think six months, nine months of good efforts. And then I think Goldman finally agreed to give me a chance to write the test and eventually get interviewed. This is, you can say, uh, early third year, like you can say fifth sem for me in college, right? Not fifth, sorry. Uh, yeah, fifth sem in college, correct. Uh, for me, when yeah. Goldman and all the other companies were there, Goldman is the only company I sat for, gave the test, thankfully got selected, uh, interviews went well. So they extended the internship offer. And that's when I think I understood that, look, I've secured something. If I do well at the internship, they would eventually extend the job as well. Because looking at the historical things, their internship to job ratios for all our seniors were pretty good. So I continued building on my computer science knowledge because I have to perform as well as anybody else. Goldman took the risk on me. Uh, and I'm sure uh, the you can say burden was on me to kind of continue delivering to make sure that the risk that they took with me on the internship by opening this up for non-circuit branches goes well. So continued learning a bit more. Uh, eventually went to uh, Goldman as an intern. I think phenomenal work. This is the first time I came to Bangalore. Uh, fell in love with the city. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, uh, definitely the best city to Beautiful. stay in uh, India. Yeah. Yes. So uh, all that happened. This is, you can say, what, uh, June, actually May, June of 2014. Uh, did the internship, two and a half months. Pretty interesting. Learned a lot. Made a lot of good friends, mentors, a lot, lot of other people who I'm still very closely in touch with. Uh, did the best to my knowledge. And I think all the senior folks, the MDs, etc. at Goldman were quite happy. So in internship, actually, they don't teach you a lot. So it's basically, and they don't even expect anything right. serious from you. These are all like science projects that you're doing. Nothing that any intern does at Goldman or in fact, most of the other uh, companies as well ever goes to production, never sees any real world uh, implications. But I think it's a good learning experience and it brings new thought process to these companies. That's why they really get interns. So in those two and a half months, I think I did a lot of work uh, at least that could have been continued later to uh, drive full-on values uh, and, and basically build into full-fledged projects. So not much of expectation. Thankfully, drove and built good prototypes, which went on uh, to have a very kick-ass demo that everyone loved. And what I think my internship ended, uh, I think July sometime, probably uh, that's when it ends. August, when we were back in college, I think very early, uh, I think just three, four days into college, Goldman gave us those details in terms of who all are convert. I think we were five or six interns, as far as I remember. Barring one person, I think they converted everybody else uh, into a full-time offer. So that's the only interview I've ever had in my life. That's the Goldman Sachs internship interview. When before the placement started, I got my uh, PPO from them. Never really sat for any other company whatsoever. I was quite satisfied already and I had basically secured. So that's how I kind of uh, like to operate. Basically hedge and secure as much as possible. So although my prime interest was entrepreneurship, it was critical for me to go and build a backup in the CS field so that I can continue getting a job that I would really do till the time I'm very sure about how to build a company and how to go about it. So that was done. Then the rest of the final year, I did a lot of, you can say, learning around what entre entrepreneurship is all about, how to really build a business, connect with as many entrepreneurs and seniors as possible, find out the bunch of things that I would really want to build businesses on top of. Did a few experiments as well, I think, two experiments in my final year, which I think didn't go very well, but I think good learnings for sure. So yeah, that, that's about college. Right. So, um, so it's like a follow-up question now. Was it difficult to quit your secure and well-paying job to take like a leap of faith and start your own company after after college? Uh, I think it's tough. It always is tough. I don't think it'll get harder than that. But it's about how you uh, uh, take these risks, right? I mean, Goldman, I think, is a fender. They pay you a lot, or uh, definitely not something you would 
uh, feel bad about. Then they have a beautiful training program where right. they send you to New York. I think I was the lucky lot. We they sent us to New York for three months. It's still there for a pretty long time. I think all, all great things are happening. But what I quit my job fairly early, 14, 15 months into Golden Eye, or uh, decided to quit my job. So how we generally take these decisions is about uh, measuring the down downside. And I think Jeff Bezos has a very interesting uh, principle here that in life, if you really are going to have a very fulfilled life, you should minimize the regrets that you have. And whenever you don't see a very crazy downside of the thing that you're really going to do just do it so that you don't have a regret of not doing it so that's how i kind of measured this whole decision that what's the worst that can happen right my company will not go anywhere i'll wait six months of time i had built enough relationships and networks that goldman will give me a job back again that's the absolute worst case i may go and take a job somewhere else also but i think i already have those relationships and they will take me back with open arms so when you have that decision it just becomes very easy to kind of uh, take that call and then do really what you uh, want to do So, 14 months, thanks to Goldman and the com that they give you enough cushion to kind of survive and pay for your expenses for next two, three years. So that's again very critical. Uh, when you're starting a company, you can't expect good cash flow coming in early. So you should right. have a, you can say, cushion for at least two years. We needed it for much lesser time. I think we got funded in six months of journey itself. But at least plan for a, a two-year uh, cushion so that if at all things don't go right, you can still survive. And I think it's, it's about lifestyle choices, right? Once you start living a certain lifestyle, you can't compromise on that. So just make sure you have enough cash to support that for two years. In two years, we'll totally figure out whether it's going well or not. It is how I mean. I kind of finally made a mathematical decision when the downside was uh, capped at a minimum loss of six months, one year, two years, and I think we had enough cash for that. So we took the call. It was fairly easy after that. That's great. That's great. And what exactly was the motivation behind Purpure, your company? Right. So, uh, I mean, motivation really was to build a company and and really pursue entrepreneurship. But on top of that, that alone is not enough. On top of that, when I was in uh, New York with Goldman, I kind of uh, happened to be there during Labor Day sales, and it's these are the you can say very you can say top notch sales where uh, the offline retailers in in US uh, really get go mad, give massive bunch of discounts. These stores are crowded, massive lines and chaos in the stores. So I kind of witnessed that firsthand uh, uh, myself. and i understood and at the same point amazon flipkart were scaling beautifully in india amazon was kind of owning the ecosystem in us as well so at that point i understood and and the debate basically that was going on was that would offline stores even continue to exist or would they die down to the massive scale and the growth that amazon and the flipkarts of the world are going through so since then we had the same core thesis and even today uh, that the offline stores are not going anywhere the kind of momentum they have is just crazy like offline stores contribute to 95% of Retail sales in India, online after the despite all the growth and the massive amount of money that has gone in, still contributes to four percent of the overall retail in India. So uh, we understood that the momentum is huge. Obviously, they have a few downsides. They have a few, uh, you can say, things that are not in their favor. But they would sooner or later learn and kind of optimize their businesses to give a good enough fight to uh, online players. And this was the first point. Second point was that online and offline, the gap would bridge. Finally, the customer wouldn't care whether. he or she went to the store to buy the products or he got them delivered at their houses finally it's about the products and 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 the shopping experience that the customer wants so the online guys would go offline offline guys would go online this whole intermixing would happen that gave us a feeling that look the opportunity is huge uh, unlike the retailers in the us if you look at geographies like india uh, southeast asia middle east europe retailers aren't you can say tech first like for example in us it's walmart tesco uh, macy's etc who have very large engineering and tech and research teams which can build Tech products to help optimize their offerings, but in markets like India, Southeast Asia, Middle East, that's not possible. That's not going to happen. That's where we saw a good fit. That how can we become a 
tech partner for the retailer to really give them the cutting edge products that can uh, add a lot of value to their customer experience and the overall store operations we did some basic math there to understand how big the market really is so we understood we were quite amazed to see the opportunity to really build a very large business here so we took it as the one time opportunity because i mean the the more you delay the more number of companies would enter here and kind of solve this problem so we felt the timing was right and that's when we really took a call to quit our jobs etc and start work fuel right so now that you decided that okay i'm going to come up with a startup i'm going to come up with propul you had these ideas in mind you had the motivation you had everything um ready to start to establish your own company so now so now once you established it can you take us through some of your failures or learning experiences from that time in the beginning when when you just established your company oh many so Uh, I think failures are something that are basically very glorious events where you get to learn a lot at a very fast pace. And like everybody else says, right? Again, a big uh, fan of Jeff Bezos, right? How he says that one right experiment, one right success would pay for thousands of of failures and failed experiments, etc. That that's actually very true. So unless you try, uh, you will ne- never really get to that hit, and nobody gets lucky easily. Uh, so you have to keep trying. I think failures are literally every single day. And now I think we've understood it's a part of life. So we don't even feel sad and demotivated about. uh a failure because just work and eventually one way or the other you will uh get what what you really need to eventually it may take longer than expected that's the only thing that can happen but if you're determined with the right focus and energy and resources you will definitely get where you want so i think failures took a lot of time and they i think teach you a lot to become humble and patient that success is not easy keep striving for it keep trying for it uh one way one day you'll surely get it so to name a few i think uh, many uh while fundraising got rejected by the leading and we see in india uh, before we actually got the 12th or 13th ones to really extend term sheets and give us those offers to kind of raise funding then i think this is still fairly small because uh, you always know that uh, funding experience is going to be like that it's going to be fairly tough i think the larger and the yeah. biggest failure at least in the first two years of perfule was that we started perfule with a you can say very core focus mission around self checkouts we wanted to build a self checkout mobile app which will allow customers to check out of the stores without standing in the uh lines uh, and waiting for a cashier to bill them we started with that and almost what 12 13 months into the business we figured out that look this is not scaling and this is not going to fix the problem for multiple other reasons and at that point we had to kind of formally conclude that look self checkouts are not working we still have the opportunity to build something else we still have the cash team runway etc etc to figure it out but let's pivot so when you pivot you have to conclude that what you are doing first is actually a failure and you take the learnings and close the chapter so that you can go and put all the energy and resources and start focusing on something new so i think that by far was the biggest uh, failure not because of the quantum of the impact basically a lot of cash had gone in a lot of effort time this was like 13 months of time and the cash we had spent or uh, to make this happen was was huge so i think that is still easy to adopt and absorb the harder piece was that that was the premise for perfume that's how perfume really started so it was very hard emotionally yes. to accept that but i think that's what maturity teaches you i think uh, probably in first three months i couldn't have done that because maturity is something that you get slowly every day and it compounds massively over a period of time uh, so i think what 15 months into the business i understood that look there is no point being emotional we are here to do a business and uh, the i mean less emotional you can get about stuff and failures and accept things faster i think the easier it would be to really operate the business so with that much charity we took the conscious call that look uh, we are wrapping this up it didn't work it didn't work that's okay we got a fair share of learning we got a beautiful network we had by then the 6 7 leading retailers in, in india i think we have those relationships we have those learnings we'll go and 
uh, build something else. So having that, uh, you can say, freedom is what we kind of prioritized, and we went back to the drawing board and rediscovered on the other problems that retailers have, which finally uh, uh, got us the product market fit. And I think after that pivot, we kind of moved to a retail billing solution, and that has been scaling beautifully for the last two and a half years for us. Right, right. So you said that uh, at times, like you were, you you thought that um, there's no there's no point being emotionally affected by all the failures that you're going through, and you just um, accepted to move on, learn, and just move on, right? So how exactly did you deal with it? Because there are many times when you would want to give up. There are many times when you would just feel like, okay, this is not going to work. How do you exactly tackle those uh, emotional issues or like those mental problems, the mental health issues? How exactly do you tackle those? Mm, uh, I think I don't answer because I never actually uh, got affected by it mentally. Uh, I think it's it's more to do with talking to people and understanding. Okay, so if you feel that you are the only one, is when you get stress and you get mental uh, health issues. But when you know that everybody else is struggling, right? Like how many startups in India are billing profits? How many of them are public? Literally no one, right? Like Swiggy and Zomatos and Ubers of and Ola of the world are all. Like 10, 15 years into business, still heavy losses. So you know, everyone is struggling. That kind of makes you feel slightly better. Might not be the best uh, analogy, but personally, definitely gives you a lot of weight. And all these are the guys, right? Like right from Practo to all the other uh, NID yeah. entrepreneurs, right? Raghu of Taxi for sure, etc., etc. We're all like coaching me in, yeah. in the same point that look, we are also struggling. You're also struggling. That's the nature of economy in India, right? You can't build glorious, thriving businesses like Amazon and Google four years in India because the economy is just very different. So I think understanding and really going deeper to understand why have you failed is something uh, that gives you a lot of you can say courage and motivation to really go and tackle the hard problems. And when you are not alone, I think you really get a lot of network effect in your brain to handle all of this. Thankfully, I had great bunch of uh, folks to advise me. Beautiful set of investors, very good alumni of NIDK and other institutions as well, who coached me a lot about all of these things. So I think talking to people just. open heartedly right just speaking your heart out that look this is what yeah. is the problem this is what is hurting you a lot and the feedback that you get because you really respect these people is something that is very very comforting and you can really take that with yes. a pinch of salt and helps you uh, stabilize your mind right right talking about the economy as you mentioned in the previous question um we know that we are already in the beginning of a recession and it might just get worse with time right How would you motivate aspiring entrepreneurs to deal with this this period? Uh, how would you motivate them to keep doing what they want to? Right. So actually, I mean, this is something which is very counterintuitive, but it's very very ridiculously true. Uh, so recession and the economy downtrends are the best time to start businesses for multiple reasons. First is that people have started to focus on the right bunch of things. So as customers, noise reduces. if your product offering really has something magical about it that uh, the needs to reach to the customer and would have a high impact this is the best time because the noise has massively reduced right if you see google their marketing spends are down by 40% the tv ads uh, media houses advertising spends are down by 50% times of india revenue is down by 90% so this is the time when people are not advertising every everything out there right so you if you are really building value and you are doing value creation your messaging will actually be much cheaper to really reach out to the customer this is first second is uh, the resources are at their all time low like crazy bunch of people have lost their jobs uh, people aren't expecting crazy hikes so i think it's a very good system from a cost uh, perspective that all the costs right from advertising to customer acquisition to resources hiring manpower everything has gone down 
uh, real estate costs, everything has gone down. So these are the key ingredients into the business. And if they are at a 40-50% low, literally you can build the same business at half the cost. So that's why it, it's very clear. Right. And historically, if you see, right, all the companies in the US and even a good chunk of them in India started in the uh, the other financial recession which happened in 2008. So it is history and uh, pandemics like these and crises like these will keep coming, will keep going. Uh, humanity as a, you can say, community would continue to exist and would uh, continue to fight with it. Their priorities and their focus and their types would change, but we're all not going anywhere. These type of crises will keep coming. It's best to uh, kind of invest in the right direction at the right time and take the advantage of that. That's first. Second is, uh, if you traditionally look right, when, uh, I mean, how Peter Thiel says it, right? There's a beautiful book called Zero to One by Peter Thiel, must read for everyone, one of my personal favorites. It's about right. if you really have to do wealth creation and really build a business, you have to go and do some things that other people don't do. It's basically called contrarian view. You have to really be a firm believer in contrarian view and have a hypothesis which is very different from other people. So there's a beautiful question that Peter uh, highlights that what is that one thing that very, which is a truth, but very few people agree with you on. So finding that one thing is the real uh, piece. If you have found that, I think this is the best time to start a business. If you haven't found that, this is the best time again to find it because of the noise reduction in the market. So I think that's how I look at them. And if given an opportunity, would love to uh, start new things again in the market right now. I'm seeing crazy bunch of companies uh, getting funded. So thankfully, economy is slow, but uh, venture investments in startups aren't low. In fact, they're at an all-time high. Because everyone knows that this is not happening for the first time. Last time, all the VCs passed out on who passed on uh, passed on great opportunities like Ola and Uber and Swiggy and Zomato, etc. In the last recession, have all understood that look, no reason to pass. They have their own funds in place. This is the best time to do investments in companies, right? Similarly, on the stock markets as well, right? When the market crashed, right? Rakesh, uh, uh, the money and, and Radha Krishnan, the money and Rakesh Jundanwala, et cetera, bought the maximum amount of stocks. So that's how it works, right? Doing things which the masses aren't doing is the real differentiator, which goes on to eventually create a good business, create a good brand, create a good return, whichever thing you are doing. So I think that is of paramount importance to understand that economy is low, investment is not. So it's only going to be uh, in your favor to start a business now. Right. This is a very interesting point, actually, that, you know, even though the economy is going down, even though it's pretty low, investments, as you said, are not that bad. There are, there are still companies uh, and organizations investing in startups. And these are small, small things which many of the aspiring entrepreneurs, many, many of our college students themselves do not know, right? So do you think the college should have facilities uh, which can which can actually help students get to know get to know what the future holds for them uh, if if the economy going down is good or bad if if the investments are if the types of investments coming in for their startups are right or wrong do you think there should be organizations do you think there should be people coming and telling them okay this is right this is wrong or or is it like they have to like start building things on their own they have to start learning things on their own. I think it's on their own because look, today college might tell you about economy and starting business is healthy, but they can't tell you everything. The journey of entrepreneurship right. is about self-learning. So I think college is doing right. great to uh, give you this set of alumni. It's about you, how you really leverage that. I'm, I'm sure they don't have great portals to connect with them, but all of the entrepreneurs are on and all, all of the graduates are on LinkedIn. So just ping them. I have personally seen a great response rate, whether you are from an educator or not, ping anyone if your demand in uh, ask is justified, you will for sure get a reply and a reward. I personally like in touch with like so many uh, entrepreneurs who are currently in college, some folks who just graduated who are trying to build a business. So I think it's all about reaching out and uh, getting on that journey of self-learning because you need an engine. 
I mean, learning will not stop. This is just one piece. Right. right? Economy is good, and investments are sorry. Economy is bad, investments are good. It's just one piece. You have to learn five thousand such things to really build a successful business. So rather focus on a self-learning engine, which would keep learning forever. And one year's amount of good learning really builds you, gives you a good base to start a business. But that's not the end of it, right? After that, also you have to learn. So it's an engine which has to be on, which right. has to be on forever. Rather focus on building that engine with your own capacity and your own network. so that it will never be dependent on anyone right and your learning should not stop whether you are in college or you're not so rather build that engine and uh, sustain right so basically self learning is a very important process according to you yeah great so there's if there's one thing uh, one very valuable piece of suggestion you would want to give to uh, the aspiring entrepreneurs what would it be one very very valuable piece of suggestion for like basically people for students of our college itself sure i think there are many but since you're asking for one uh, i think i'll go with this thing that uh, and this happened to me as well right people generally are you can say a bit uh, scared of reaching out and learning okay uh, uh, which i think is very normal i mean people generally get intimidated right people are not very comfortable sharing in terms of what's happening in their life whether people would take interest in their problems and messages or not which is absolutely wrong people like and i can talk about myself right i would love to talk to any uh, uh, you can say student at college who is trying to understand how to build a business right and even i am coaching many of them already in college and even a few outside as well so i think it's all about reaching out and taking as much learning as possible not because of any other reason but i mean once you kind of really map this out right although every startup has its own story and its own journey but to a great extent there is a good bunch of things right it's contribute to 50 60% of the uh, you can say entire activity that happens at a startup which is the same i mean in terms of how you hire how you build the culture how you build the product engineering tech focus revenue pnl like there's a good bunch of 100 150 200 things which are common which are common for every startup and every you can say new entrepreneur because we don't have experience building businesses right we're not 40 45 years old and people generally need to become ceos we will become ceos at 22 to what 26 when i where i am today so at our age it's very obvious to not not know these things but the longer you don't know the you can say more harm it will do to you how to manage a pnl is not rocket science it's something that you learn with experience but you can't learn that at 26 unless you personally reach out so we have to so many entrepreneurs who will tell you those stories about the mistakes they have done and that's one fundamental question to reach out to as many people and ask what are the mistakes they have done because you are very likely to make the same bunch of mistakes knowing them in advance really puts you at a place where you don't make those mistakes and it massively improves the time in your journey so that's one thing which is very simple but uh, very obvious but not uh, many people really do that right so basically connectivity and networking during your learning process is very important right so this is where i think peer support which is our organization comes into picture because we help people connect to mentors connect to the, to industry leaders to people who who have done well who have achieved big in their lives and people have gone through the same phase so this is this is what exactly peer support aims at providing aspiring not only entrepreneurs but anyone with a dream to connect uh to different people to different leaders in the industry to different mentors and gain experience learn something and then pursue whatever they want to so so it was really nice having you on board talking about all your personal experiences how you started from being a mechanical engineer from NITK to having your own company which is doing great popular is doing great i must say and it was really nice to have you on board and share your personal experiences to share your personal story and your journey and thanks a lot sir for helping us out with this we really hope to have more of these discussions thanks a lot for 
absolutely thanks a lot for having me here and i'm really happy to see the kind of step that you've taken to uh, put this forum together and kudos to you and the rest of the team out there uh, because i totally understand it's not easy it takes a lot of effort to schedule these right. meetings get time really think about this execute it lot of background work goes so kudos to you guys for doing all of that and i'm sure this will go on to become a much much larger forum to attract and or uh, you can say motivate people to do great things thanks a lot for inviting me thanks a lot sir thanks a lot have a good day sir you do bye bye